0: We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. InternationalHorseCollege.com, Registered Training Organisation 31352 Hello, today I'd like to introduce Belinda Bailey. Belinda rides, competes in dressage, show jumping and three-day eventing, as well as endurance, and she's a coach and coach educator. She's also breeding and raising young livestock and is an eventing technical delegate, and we'll talk to her a little bit about that eventing technical delegate later on in the interview. How are you today, Belinda? Yeah, well, thank you. Wonderful. Belinda, we normally start people off with an inspirational quote or a favourite quote you use in your teaching. Have you got one for us today? I think the one that comes to mind
1: most readily is learn from your mistakes. I think whether you're an experienced rider or a a beginner, it's something that it's good to keep in the back of your mind.
0: I've actually heard if you're not making mistakes, you're not pushing yourself hard enough.
1: I think we all make mistakes. Yep, definitely. And it's the ability for us to realise that and learn from it
0: that makes us good, I suppose. Yeah, yep. Can you tell me how that's helped you in your experience with horses or else how you've taught it? to your students, how it's helped them? I think the ability to teach the students to self-reflect
1: in doing that, they can actually see where perhaps they've gone wrong and then look at options on how they can improve things in the future and it's that ability for them to not think it's the horse's mistake. Quite often it's their mistake that's the important thing Mm -hmm. and they can learn from that and move on.
0: Okay, okay, that's well explained. Now, Belinda, thinking back, how did you start with horses? What are your first memories of that? I grew up on the land,
1: Mm -hmm. on property uh, at a place in New South Wales called Oberon, and from there, my father, we had sheep and cattle, and um, my brothers and father were into horses and stock horses at that stage, and from that, I wasn't allowed to ride, I don't think, until I was three, so I used to lead my brother's horses around when they'd tie them up in between (laughs) working sheep and cattle. (laughs) Then I started riding their horses and eventually my father bought me one.
0: It's always different. You know, it's interesting to find out how people have started with horses. Some people start at their local riding school. Some people start because their parents say they've got show horses. But starting with stock horses and having horses as essential vehicles, you know, that's a different aspect again. So the stock horses were really required for their work weren't they rather than a recreational pursuits
1: yes they were definitely required for their works in our in our aspect my father was a very humane fellow when it came to um, animals and especially horses so he taught me the love of the horse so it was one of
0: those things that you it got under your skin and it became part of your life from then on Mm. and then going from there how did you have a career with horses What made you decide? Because there's always lots of options and it's like you've studied, you've gone to uni, you've got a degree, but you've still, and even though it was an equine degree, you still have gone on and worked with horses. What's made it different that you're different to everyone else and how did you do that? Um, I think more than anything, the fact that they
1: become part of your life, so you're not willing to give up sight of it no matter how busy you are. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, whether you're studying or whether you're working, lucky enough, I did join the police force. But I actually joined the police force to join the mounted police. Yep. Which I did for some time, and that led to me being in the city. And after three years, I wanted to get out of the city, so I was still able to have horses on the side. So, and then in becoming a coach and a coach educator and breeding horses, I've been able to make
0: a thankfully make a living, a good living out of it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being able to stay with them at the same time. So what do you think the keys are though? Because a lot of people want to have horses but don't make that commitment to actually having them and working with them long-term. You know, it's, a, it's it's often that they might have horses for a little while or not work with horses as a professional. What do you think the keys are to becoming a professional? Persistence. Okay. A good work ethic without a doubt mm-hmm. and persistence,
1: the genuine love. So the animal is probably the main thing you get up each morning and that's what you think about the horse and and what you're going to do today and how you're going to look after that horse or what you want want to
0: succeed with. Yeah, so when you said about, you know, working out what you're doing for the day and you're working it around your horses, it turns it into a lifestyle then, you know, that you say, right, well, these are the things that I must do. I must feed the horses and I must ride and what else can I do to fit around that? Yeah. Okay. Now, what about people who've influenced you? You've already talked about your father. Yes. Um, people that have influenced me, I suppose in Australia, more than anything, it would
1: have to be someone like Heath Ryan. He mm-hmm. was there at a very early age for me in um, a sense, I think. He uh, returned from Europe and came to Oberon to do a school, I think, when I was about 11, when I was so inspired by the way he spoke and his enthusiasm, and certainly he work ethic and his passion for the sport and watching him succeed was something that I think influenced a lot of Australian riders Mm -hmm. and so I suppose as far as Australians are concerned he would be a standout for me.
0: Okay yeah I think a standout for quite a few people too. I've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while and he's a busy person. Very busy. I'll talk to him and say, Heath, are we ready to do that interview? No, Glenna's because I'm just about to drive out the gate off to the Nationals and Rosie's busy and she's in the float and we're about to go here and we're about to go there. And I, I did catch up with him over the weekend and I said, Heath, we're still looking at the interview and hopefully I'll catch him in the next week or two. Um, I think he's so off to Adelaide. To yeah, and, and um, I think wearing in been- down. I think so. He said, um, "Middle of the day, and um, you know, if he's off in an event like he's at a three day, and he's coaching riders. But if I can organise a time in between coaching riders, then I should be right with him." Yep. Yeah, that'd work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Now, horses have influenced you. I've had a lot of horses. Yeah. Um, Is there like a standout, or you know, standout that you um, think, "Wow, I couldn't have got here without that horse"? Or oh. No, I think
1: they've all played quite a role and quite a role in determining who I am and why I persisted. Um, I think the difficult horses are quite often the ones that sort of keep you persisting because you, if you're learning from your mistakes and you're learning to work in with those horses and instead of having those horses work in with you, and that's the important thing. That's what keeps you going. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think I've had several three-star horses, but none of them are a standout. And they're no different to my first pony, who was called Frisky, that I had when
0: I was five. Okay. Love the name Frisky for a first pony. Mm -hmm. Was he an old pony or...? No, she was a naughty pony. He was buy. naughty, was he? <laughs> yeah. We had one that wasn't called frisky, he was called Frisco. But you know, it was a bit oh, of a joke name, because he was old and there's no way in the world he was frisky, but you know, Frisco was like maybe he just dreamt about being frisky. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, your proudest moment.
1: Oh, proudest moment. Mm. Well, um I think I've got several. None actually stand out more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I can talk about things as simple as foals being born, yep. horses making small achievements when you're breaking them in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: up to completing star cross country rides,
0: mm.
1: those sorts of things. So nothing stands out more. They're all proud moments for me, okay, and achievements okay. for the horse. So it's more about you know the horse achieving.
0: Mm. Mm. You're an event technical delegate. What does the term technical delegate mean? What are you responsible for?
1: We represent Equestrian Australia. I'm a national technical delegate. We have a national and international level technical delegates. We attend official one-day events Mm -hmm. and we predominantly make sure that the adherence of the rules and policies are followed. We do risk management. Obviously, we handle Complaints, we assist the organisers with organising the events. Basically, look over, we're a second eye. Mm -hmm. So we're a second eye to the course designers. We're a second eye to the show jumping course designers as well. Mm -hmm. We preside over things like warm-up areas, those sorts of things as well. We're assisting the organisers.
0: Just going back to the risk management that you talked about, because horses are a risky sport. They're a high-risk sport. With safety and eventing, what sort of things should the listeners be aware of if they're, you know, if if they are running an event or if they're thinking of riding in an event? what's What's some things that we can really be focused on as far as risk management and safety goes?
1: I think the things that stand out perhaps are the more recent changes and they are changes to the helmets. The helmet changes that are part of the rules now are much more strict. Yep. So the um, helmets are batch tested or the approved helmets so that they've been tested and we know that they are strong I was at a, an event recently on the weekend where one of the riders fell and even one of the helmets that are approved did actually get a crack in it so it's something that does happen but that rider was fine so mm. we're sort of striving to make things as safe as we possibly can Mm-hmm. The FEI have brought in rules that anyone even schooling cross-country they're back protectors these days. Yep. Things like the paramedics, the paramedics are fully trained paramedics. We have fully equipped ambulances on site. Obviously they have to be four-wheel drive ambulances if they're on cross-country. There's a lots of things that have happened within the sport increasingly over the last few years to make it as safe as possible. And it's something that we continually strive. We have emergency risk management teams now at at events where we bring in also members of the public to be part of that team. We have meetings at at the events to organise how we're going to handle an event if something does happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, lots have changed and it's all for the better and it's still changing.
0: It's evolving the whole time. What about just because you'd see it at events? people handling horses, are, are there things that you see people doing not aware of? And also too, how not just what's happening, but you know what you'd say, how we should fix that problem.
1: I think in performance horse industry, handling of horses has always been a second thought. Mm-hmm. I think perhaps the um, racehorse industry, the stock horse industry, those sorts of industries have had a better focus on actual horse handling. Our training as coaching has traditionally not been something that we have concentrated a lot on the technique Mm -hmm. of handling horses, so that's something we could definitely do better. I think that's something that we need to do better because when people have got to get to the stage where they do go out to compete, they've got other factors influencing them, adrenaline, nerves, all those sorts of things that will affect the way they perform, whether they're handling a horse or riding a horse due to nerves. So we need to actually get the, our basics and, and grounding really established with our riders and competitors and horse people before they even attempt to go out for that matter.
0: Okay, okay. Oh, Hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory with practical components that can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website, again, is onlinehorsecollege.com. Thanks. And what about riding? What's a common problem that you see riding-wise? And it could be, as a coach, it could be, you know, as an event technical delegate that you see and also how to fix it. As a coach, I'm a stickler for position.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's position, position, position. So I think a lot of coaches don't focus on position. It's possibly not the most popular thing to focus on. If you're a coach, people don't like to be told that it might be their problem, mm-hmm. not the horses. Yes. Um, so if we can focus on getting that rider balanced, and it doesn't matter which discipline the rider is involved in, that balance is still the same. And I think that's really important for us, a really important message to get out. Mm -hmm. Whether you're riding a camp draft or a Grand Prix show jumping course or a three-star cross country, the basics and balance and the position are all the same. There might be a bit of difference in the length of steer, but predominantly
0: everything else, I believe, is the same. Mm -hmm. And we need to focus on that. Okay, and the benefit for having the better balance, better position then is to be more effective. Is that what you're saying, more effective for the horse, less interfering? most, Most definitely, because if you've got that balance... Mm. You're not affecting the horse's balance.
1: Mm -hmm. He's not thinking about what you're doing on his back. He's able to concentrate on the job at hand. You're not interfering with him as far as the contact's concerned. You're working in harmony with his balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be a win-win.
0: Okay, good. And what about safety-wise? What's a common problem safety-wise if you're at an event and how can we fix that?
1: I was going to say um, the fit of the stirrup on, because it's very hard these days. Girls stirrups never seem to be big enough for boots. Mm-hmm. But probably the one that stands out even more than that would be throat lashes on helmets not secured effectively. Okay. Okay. They're all too loose. Yep. Just because the hat's on the head doesn't mean it's still going to be there when you hit the ground. Okay. The other one, perhaps these days, it tends to be the use of GoPros which we have banned in eventing, uh and people don't realise that the damage or the impact of something like that could, it's all very nice to have a GoPro and have a video of your performance or whatever. Mm -hmm. But those sorts of things can um, certainly do severe damage
0: in the event of a fall. Okay, so it's not what can happen in normal circumstances, it's always allowing for that, yeah, if there's a problem. Yes, and
1: I think we've yep. got to think, you know, if there is a problem, what yep. might the result be? And yes. and for a GoPro, then that helmet might be compromised if, you know, the GoPro can actually guess the helmet. If it does that, then it might even be able to pierce the skull, so therefore, inventing their band completely. Yep, yep. A little bit like the chin strap, you know, I don't like it tight because it affects my breathing or it feels uncomfortable. <sighs> well, if the helmet's not on, the head hits the ground, then... There's no point in having a helmet in the first place. Yeah. Don't put it on there.
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) You know. It's going to fall off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, What about a book? Do you, uh, just a book to complement riding? Have you got a book that you'd like to recommend? Look, I haven't had the chance to read a lot of books and there's a huge amount of schooling books out there
1: and most of them are really, really good these days. Mm -hmm. I suppose um, just a a horse book that stands out in my mind or books would be um, the Monty Roberts books. Okay, and I suppose more than anything, because it talks about his childhood um, and his the influence that horses had on him, and it goes into how he watched the horses and watched what they did. and it, it's very interesting the whole process of him discovering how horses behave in the wild. And so, therefore, I've, I found it really found those books really quite interesting and. And what those books that you can't put down really, you sort of think, oh no, I'll have another read that or <laughs> a bit more of a read, I can't uh, stop.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Monty was an earlier a guest on our earlier episode as well, I think uh, episode number two he might have been. Oh good, okay. Yeah. yeah. So Belinda, what are you looking forward to now? What have you got on your plate ready to go?
1: Apart from teaching, we're looking at bringing in lots of different scenarios in relation to... People being able to learn how to coach and mm-hmm. to make that effective, so we're sort of hoping to bring that to people so people in regional areas will be able to access those sorts of things yeah um, and yeah. more for, more for, I suppose for myself I've got a couple of really lovely young horses at home that are now hopefully will have the time to get out and compete so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a bit of both really a bit of competition and then some keeping everything and some going. Putting back. I'm back into the equestrian community.
0: Yep, yep. Now, can you sum up your philosophy into a lesson today?
1: Well, you're um, asking me a big one there.
0: (laughs) Just Um, think about everything that we've talked about and, you know, just about learning from your mistakes as well. And the thing that I think comes back is that you're, you're a giver. You know, you're giving back to the equestrian community, the time you spend as a technical delegate working on committees, You know, you've learnt a lot and got a lot from being a professional in the field, but you're giving back a lot as well. So that's what I see within this interview. But you tell us, and this summing up your philosophy, it's so that people can go away and have something to think about during the day. You know, something they can say, right, I've listened to today's episode. This is the main thing that I've learned from there.
1: Well, I suppose we're all here because of the horse.
0: And it is the most amazing
1: creature. Mm-hmm. It can provide us a lot of love and we need to respect the animal for what it is and care for it, nurture it and watch it grow. And in doing that, we'll learn. And obviously it's our duty to learn as much as we can while we're working with them so that we can be better mm-hmm. and make their lives better, help their performance. Yep. And then I think through through that and through the end of that, we've all those experiences, I think it's then our duty to give back where we can. Mm -hmm. And that's how I see it at my stage in life at the moment is to give back to the equestrian community because it's been very good to me and given me a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I think more of us should be the same. We're always looking for
0: volunteers at events.
1: Yep, yep, for sure. And um, the more that people can give back to the equestrian community, the more the community will be able to grow.
0: Yep. All right. Look, Belinda, that's great. How can people contact you?
1: Basically, I'm on
0: Facebook. I have email. Okay. Um, and is that Belinda Bailey on Facebook? Yes, it is. Yeah. We yes. can put the link in the show notes as well, which will be horsechats.com slash Belinda Bailey. So phone, Facebook, email as well? Yeah, Belinda Bailey one at yep. com. No worries at all. All right, look, it's been great talking to you today and look forward to catching up with you again sometime. Okay, thank you. Good talking to you. Good talking to you too, Glenn. Okay, bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe.